2: Welcome to the show. How are y'all doing? We got a great show planned for you. Um, we're going to be talking about how to hold on to our mental health while also participating in gym culture. And the reason why this topic is important and I'll be talking more and more about it is because that season is coming where people start worrying and thinking about and talking about beach bodies and bathing suit weather and warmth. What? Warmth? I know. I know. I was talking to family back east and... Um, I laugh because I'll say, oh, it's been a little cooler, the weather on the West Coast. And they'll be like, yeah, we had snow. (laughs) Uh, But summer's coming. And we're starting to prepare. We're getting our psyches ready. We are not buying into toxic gym culture. Not that gym culture is toxic. When I say toxic gym culture, I mean the toxic elements of it and uh, trying to move away from disordered eating, which has been normalized. I have a lot of clients that will be talking about their healthy eating, and what I'm really hearing is disordered eating that we've socially validated, and normalized. Um, quite profound. We'll talk about that. I, I'm not. I'm not against working out. I do it four to five days a week. It is part of my. Uh, you know, keeping my. Bone density, uh, my body fluid and strong, helping me be able to move and do the things I want to do in the world. It is also for my heart health. In my family, we have a history of heart issues. And so I uh, eat a plant based diet. I have a low sodium diet because the amount of sodium in restaurant and packaged food is sometimes in one meal more than the entire day's worth that you should have. All that for my health. So I'm all about it. I like hiking. I, you know, all sorts of stuff. But it shouldn't be something that has a negative impact on our lives. It shouldn't be something that makes us feel as though the shape or size or mobility or ability of our bodies is our worth and value. Um, You are allowed to be where you are and feel how you feel. Um, I just want our mental health to be intact. I've posted on my social media before that sometimes going to the gym is a little bit of an ego test and uh, really gives me an opportunity to practice feeling okay as I am. As we age, our bodies shift and change based on abilities and disabilities, based on medications we take, based on life events and stressors and crises, based on mental health concerns and issues, all sorts of stuff. And we have to be kind with ourselves. It's always about, again, including mental health in any definition of health. We cannot just talk about health as though it's just the physical. Mental health matters and often matters more. They are connected. And so it can't just be if it's good for my physical health, I don't weigh in on the impact it's having on my mental health as though it doesn't matter because it does. So as a therapist, I will be focusing more on the mental part. Just like most people, other kinds of doctors and fitness people tend to focus only on the physical health. I'm doing my part. So um, just know that. I'm always trying to kind of, you know, bring that back in and up and highlight it, draw a line under it, circle it draw arrows pointing to it. So we're going to kind of talk about that. How can we participate in gym culture, but not be uh, taken down by it? Because I can see that happen to some people, you know, they're doing great. They step in and then, you know, they take on this sense of like, you know, pass fail or the worth being tied to it. Or they think that to participate in health or gym culture that they have to look a certain way. You don't. Food is awesome. And we have to start, we have to stop, excuse me, we have to stop putting it in categories of good or bad, just like we have to stop doing that with emotions. Emotions are not good, they're not bad. They just are energies in our bodies that motivate us. It's about learning how to work with them better. But we don't wanna suppress emotions, nor do we wanna amplify them, we just wanna allow them. They're all good. Same thing with food. Food is awesome, it gives us moments of joy. It brings people together. It is family, it is culture. It is celebration. For some, it's it's often a coping mechanism. It's a way to really center themselves, ground themselves, or do some self-care during a hard day, or like I said, build in some bursts and moments of joy and distraction. Um, it's, it's, it's getting out of the house and seeing a friend. It's going on a date. It's, um, like I said, celebrating a holiday or a special event. So as our bodies change and shift, it's part of just the gift of being able to be alive another day or to be able to participate in whatever you're doing. And when people come away from COVID or a vacation and they talk about their weight gain, I say, yeah, but that weight is an amazing dinner you went to have with a friend. That weight is a cupcake that you had to celebrate a bad day and lift yourself up or an achievement. Um, That COVID weight was you taking care of yourself and trying to find some joy in a difficult time. That food is maybe what kept you company. And again, we want to have a range of coping mechanisms. We don't want to over rely upon one. That's when we get into trouble, but this can be a part of. And exercise has been something that's been very valuable in my life. I always want to call that out. It's something that's been with me since high school. Um, It really did help me get more comfortable and familiar with my body. It helped me get out into the world in different ways. It helped me with my health. It helped me uh, make friends and socialize. And it did become a part of my my self-worth and self-esteem. It's an activity that I enjoy. I put on my headphones, play my music, and it's where I do some of my best thinking. Sometimes it's more of a mindful activity and I try to stay off my phone when I'm at the gym. So when we come back, we're going to talk about um, how to have a healthy relationship with the gym. <clears throat> and then uh, we'll be doing some DMs. You know the drill. Drop them in there on our Loveline IG page. Listen to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Final Q in Odyssey. We'll be right
1: back. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced.
2: Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game.
0: You have 47 new
1: voicemails.
0: Podcast, all lowercase. Go to Shopify.com slash Odyssey Podcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash Odyssey Podcast.
2: All right, we are back and we're talking about how to form a mental health-centered perspective on the gym and exercise. Why? Because it is rampant during uh, you know, COVID. Everyone was doing all these different you know workout programs, and uh, and I know it's, some of this is very city centric. Uh, but across the country, you know fitness places were selling out. Um, gyms are open again. The summer is coming. Our culture is very, very much tied to putting our worth and our value on our body shape and size and ability. So we're we're just talking about how do we participate in fitness culture or movement or health, but not letting it tank our mental health. So how do we not participate in Toxic gym culture. We're, we're, we're just wanting to be a part of gym culture maybe, but not the toxic forms of it. Same thing with uh, healthy eating. Maybe you want to focus on eating better, more nutritious foods, um, some foods do have more nutrition than others, but all foods are acceptable. All foods are good. There's nothing wrong with foods that have less nutrition being eaten be eaten because that's part of celebration and culture and joy and coping. But for those that want to enhance the nutrition level like I had to do because of heart health issues, it was either that or medication. Didn't want to go that route. Um, I said, all right, but I want to do it in a healthy way. I don't want to participate in toxic disordered eating, because some of these norms around how we eat and what we eat and how we label food have become very toxic and not good for our mental health. It's created a lot of food phobia and some body phobia and some shame. No one should have to apologize or feel bad for having eaten pasta or a donut. Eat it. Enjoy. That's the mental health perspective. Like It's going to be okay. So We're we're focusing primarily tonight, though, on um, the gym. And the gym can be hard for some of us, very triggering, uh, comfortable for others. Maybe some people have always participated in sports. Um, I did and I didn't, I was in and out of that. And the gym is something that I became very familiar with at a young age, not not, not everyone's story. And it can be very intimidating for some. You walk in and you're thinking, wow, everyone's been here clearly and they're doing their thing and you maybe it doesn't feel like it's right for you or you fit in, it is, I welcome you. It's a space for everyone, there's no right or wrong way. I am a big fan of intuitive movement. Yes, you don't want to hurt yourself, so you do want to pay attention and learn a little bit about the use of the machines and form. Uh, Staff should help you. You can sometimes get a free trainer or hire a trainer for short term or do research or just pay attention when you're there. Having said that, I like intuitive exercise, which is I go and I say, what does my body feel like doing? And then I stop when my body says, enough. And my purpose in being there is fun. I'm there to move my body and enjoy myself. I'm not no pain, no gain. I'm not that kind of guy. Not trying to overload or stress myself. I don't push myself to a point where I might get injured. It's not worth it to me. I'm not an athlete. I'm not a model. I don't have to look a certain way. Just here to have fun and to move my body. And it's hard to hold on to that perspective because a lot of people that are in there, it is life or death to them. And they are in it like they're an athlete. And for some they are. And have your own perspective, but you don't have to enter that space thinking I have a goal, or I need to be an athlete, or I'm here to be an underwear model. There's actually something very freeing in that recognition that I'm not an underwear model, I'm not an athlete, I don't have to be here. I can just focus fun, center fun. I'll never forget I was working out a couple weeks ago, uh, masked. And someone said to me, who I know, hey, do you want me to show you another way to do that exercise that would help you you know, build those shoulders more? And I said, no, I'm good, I'm just here to have fun. And he was shook because he had never heard someone frame, going to the gym as just fun, just here to have fun. And when it's not fun, I'll stop. And if it becomes too intense, I won't wanna come back. So lighthearted and fun, I got proper form, not gonna hurt myself, got my music on, I'm good, not a model, not an athlete, doesn't matter, just here to move my body. And and this person was shook because they live and die by that. You know, they had their water jug, they were tracking their macros, and I was like, That's cool. That feels to me like a lot of anxiety. Um, I think a lot of people that are there working hard are trapped in anxiety because like the rest of us, they've been led to believe our worth as a person is tied to how attractive desirable we are and that at all costs have a gym body. And then when you do achieve one, if that happens, if that's possible, uh, and that is not possible for everyone, I do not agree. People are like, if you just get in the gym, you'll be fine. It's calories in and calories out. No, no, no mental health perspective, not everyone has the money to get to a gym. Not everyone has transportation to get to a gym. Not everyone has time in their busy schedule to get to a gym. Uh, Not everyone has a gym even nearby. It's far bigger than that. And there's so many ways to move our bodies and the gym doesn't have to be the, the place for everyone. But when I go, I just want to go and have fun. My worth isn't tied to that. And I appreciate that for some people that is where they get their self-worth, but it's a very fragile place to get your self-worth because if you hurt yourself or you lose money and you can't keep your gym membership or whatever it is, or your aging body fails you as it will at some point, you won't be able to look the same way and whatnot, your, your self-esteem is going to crash. And that's why our self-worth has to be tied to other things. And I appreciate that when you maybe achieve that goal body, you're so proud and you wanna post pictures. But what you're also saying is, in indirectly, you are shaming larger bodies and fatness by over-prioritizing thinness. And And so be very thoughtful about how you approach that and posting. I'm not a fan of people posting those pictures. Um, I like people celebrating their successes but I don't quite see that as a success in the same way other people do. I think it's something fun. Um, I think goal achievement is awesome, but I don't think we should all be under the pressure that we have to be thin to be of worth and value and that at all costs we should be trying to get away from having a larger body. That's not a mental health perspective. Mental health is we're okay as we are, and we're neutralizing how we feel about our bodies. And if you choose to lean into more fluidity, more more strength, more movement, that's awesome, it's available, but that is not mandatory for everyone. You don't owe anyone that. Um, I choose to participate in it because I know for me, it's good for my heart. Um, And I actually enjoy my time there and I feel better when my body's moving. I spend a lot of my time just sitting and talking. Yes, I advocate for moving your body as much as possible in ways that you enjoy. Um, I am a fan of movement. It's good for our mental health. And I was saying that during uh, COVID. Go roller skating. Go hula hooping. Go for a walk. Go for a run. Go for a hike. Dance. I don't care. Pilates. Gyrotonic. Yoga. Weightlifting. Karate. Whatever you want to do. Move your body. You know, stretch. Um, All right. Coming up next, we're going to keep talking about how to have a healthy relationship with exercise and gym culture. You're listening to Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right
1: back. All right, y'all, we are back.
2: And uh, just talking about how to keep your mental health in front of mind when you are uh, getting into uh, exercise, movement, and gym culture. It's a place with a lot of rigidity and some toxic norms, and um, it's all about occupying that space, looking at our physical health, but also paying attention to our mental health, right? So it's about how you feel before, during, and after. Do you feel good about yourself? This isn't something that should make your life harder, make you feel bad about yourself. And I want people to do it from a place of fun, So find something that feels good and feels fun. It doesn't have to be overwhelming or stressful. There doesn't have to be a goal. You can just say, I'm here to move my body. I want to focus on health, um, but I don't want to necessarily get trapped in this. And I work with some people who've been trapped. Um, It's really hard to immerse ourselves in a culture and not always take on some of the norms and values. And there can be some really problematic stuff. Um, One of the first things I really bring in with clients we talk a lot about is, um, weight loss conversations or body shaming. And that's that's an important part of the mental health piece of this. I don't think we should be focusing on if you lost weight, if you gained weight, um, how you look. I really want people to move it back to how do you feel? And that should be the goal. Am I feeling better? Am I feeling stronger? Am I feeling more flexible? Am I having more energy? That should be the focal point. But we can get hung up on the opposite, which is how we look. And that can lead to feeling like, we're not achieving our goals fast enough we're not doing things right it can also lead to overtraining. it can also lead to not taking necessary days off or resting when we're sick or not feeling well or when we need a mental health day and so that's a really huge piece of this um, i'm not a fan again of people having visual goals um, measurement goals or weight loss goals because oftentimes you have to do unhealthy things like engaging in disordered eating to achieve those It isn't always centered in what's possible for you genetically, what's possible for you based on what kind of time and energy you have in your schedule and within your lifestyle. And it's also not always saying, but is this becoming obsessive? Are you putting this before other important elements? Are you getting up too early, which means you're going to bed too early, which means you're not participating in family life or your social life? Are you missing out on social events to go to the gym? Are you missing out on dates or parties because you're afraid of eating the food that's there? That is a negative impact on your mental health and that's over-prioritizing aesthetics. Because at, at, at that point, we're not talking about health if we're just talking about weight, measurements, and aesthetic. None of that's health-centered. Health-centered would be, are you more flexible? Are you stronger? Can you move more fluidly? How's it impacting your blood pressure and your heart rate, your vascular ability and endurance? Like those would be the things we'd be talking about. That's what we should be posting on our before and after photos is those stats. <clears throat> but when it's about measurements, aesthetics, and weight, we are talking about something that isn't in service necessarily of physical or mental health inherently. And that's why we're always talk about not commenting on people's bodies, saying, oh, you look great, you lost weight. Well, maybe that weight loss was due to depression, an eating disorder, or <clears throat> a physical ailment or disorder. Oh, you look great, you put on weight. Well, maybe that weight gain, again, was due to something negative. We never know what someone's goals are. We never know what someone's relationship is to their body. And we never know what's going on in their lives. We want to be very thoughtful. There's also some level of of a trap in compliments, saying, oh, you look really great. You lost weight. If people hear a lot of that, they're going to think, this is what is my best. And this is what people value in me. And this is what people want from me. So I better maintain this. And then it applies a pressure and a self-consciousness around it. And again, our goals are always going to be part of the stages of change is relapse. We're never going to wake up and say, for the rest of my life to the day I die, I'm going to drink eight glasses of water, get eight hours of sleep and get to the gym five days a week. That is never going to happen. But we start to make that the measurement of whether or not we're living our best lives. And that's why I always push back on optimization culture, because a lot of it's rooted in toxic fitness culture and these expectations that aren't realistic for the lives that a lot of us lead because of our energy levels, our mental health issues, focusing on primary and basic needs getting met. We have to worry more about those pieces. So again, I'm all about movement, I'm all about exercise, I'm all about going to the gym, just do it in a healthy way and that's why I keep coming back to, is it fun? Is it fitting into your lifestyle? Is it holding you back from participating in other important things? Is it something you're constantly thinking about and obsessing about? Because if so, it's having a negative impact on your mental health. And you can see the difference at the gym in who's there for what reason. If you see me there, I got my music on, I'm laughing, I'm smiling, doing all sorts of different things, working out, You know, enjoying myself and leaving when my body says enough is enough. And I go when I can. I I don't over-prioritize it. I don't under-prioritize it. um, And I don't make it more important than other things in my life that have more value and meaning to me. Um, we're going to talk more about that. We'll also talk more about some of the disordered eating that's been normalized. Um, but fun is the, is the key word I keep coming back to that applies to sex. That also applies to exercise. And if it's not fun, then you're, you're going about it with the wrong goal and you're, and you're, and you're doing it wrong <laughs> because that's not what its purpose is. And we don't need anything added to our lives to make our lives harder. You know, things are, Things are tough enough. All right, coming up next, we're going to do some DMs. So uh, got a DM for us. Drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. It's questions you got, topics you want us to hit, something you want us to maybe circle back, drop deeper into, explain more. Love hearing uh, what your needs are. So again, that's in our Loveline IG page. Give us a follow back and past episodes of the show. Always over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for Loveline, click on it. You can binge, post, share, re listen, all sorts of good stuff. Stick
1: around, we'll be back. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. All right, we are back. And now it's time to slide into those DMs.
0: Sliding into the DMs.
2: This one says, hey, Dr. Chris, I am a 25-year-old cis woman struggling with my sexual identity. I've always been attracted to men and women, <clears throat> but have not had more than PG-13 sexual experiences with women. Okay, but that's still sex with women, whether it's PG, R, or X sex with women you know sex is not one thing sex is a broad umbrella of things just want to throw that out there i've only had boyfriends my whole life and currently in a relationship with a man it's great but i've just realized that i've never pursued a relationship with a woman because of a few reasons homophobia i'm gonna guess right biphobia homophobia uh number one i didn't think my family would understand or they would judge me number two i don't even know if i am bisexual Since I've never been in a relationship with a person that identifies as the same gender as me. And I feel like I've been told my whole life that being sexually attracted to women is just a phase and I'll grow out of it. Or that I'm just a slut and not actually bi. See? Slut phobia, bi phobia. People can't imagine that you're bi regardless, they've seen you with men your whole life, so they can't imagine it. So they're thinking it must be a phase. You must just be hypersexual. Isn't it amazing how we pathologize things we don't feel comfortable with or we don't understand? It's shocking, but it's also disappointing because this has held you back. Because... We should all explore sex with the same gender and the opposite gender. We should go try sex with people that we feel attracted to and see how it feels. It doesn't have to mean anything. We're allowed to circle back to the sexual identity we had before. You get to define yourself. No one else does. It doesn't matter what other people want for you. Most people will never understand your sexuality unless you're hetero or maybe hetero or homo because people only understand those two positions. If you say you're fluid, if you say you are uh, bisexual, pansexual, they're like, I don't get it. I don't think that's real. It's quite disappointing and frustrating. Um, Back to your question that you said. um, You said, what I'm struggling with is unlearning these internalized biphobias and coming to terms with my sexual truth. I can't help but to feel like an imposter or an outsider when I try to claim ownership of bisexuality. I feel like I don't belong in the LGBTQIA community. Help. P.S. I love your work so much. You're changing the world. Oh, thank you. Truly means a lot. People usually take the time to write criticism, not compliments, So it means a lot for your support. Thank you. Um, it's really hard. You know, biphobia shouldn't be on the shoulders of bi people to get rid of homophobia should not be on the shoulders of gay gay people to get rid of. Homophobia is created and maintained by straight people. It should be on them to dismantle what they create. Biphobia is created by uh, non-bi people. (laughs) Sorry, threw me off. And that should be dismantled by them. Unfortunately, on the receiving end of all this, we all have work to do. We all have coming out to do because we're all sexual beings and most of us are afraid to fully and authentically embody our total sexuality but this one's real specific so a couple things you need community you do need to find people who are also bi or lesbian or pan that are like yes it's real yes we see you yes we accept you yes it's awesome welcome and if you change your mind you can go back to being hetero at any time so you do need community any, anyone who's part of a minority or an oppressed or marginalized community needs to have people that mirror back and engage the important parts of who they are and support all the parts of who they are. So find community. That's number one. Number two, start setting boundaries. You do not need to hear the opinions or thoughts of other people on your sexuality. I would shut it down immediately. Hey, I want to let you know I'm bisexual. I'm going to stop you, though, because I know you might not agree or understand, and that's okay. But I still want to tell you who I am and get prepared to hear me talk about dating men and women. Set boundaries. Tell people what you're interested in hearing and what you're not interested in hearing. I do it all the time, all the time. Let people know who you are and what you need. And then also start exploring. I think you said, let me just look at the question. Uh, You've only had boyfriends your whole life. Yeah. Okay, cool. So if you are able to try having sex relationships with women and practice and try and learn, do it. Do it. Do it, do it, do it. But uh, definitely get some resources. Definitely get some community. Definitely set those boundaries and definitely do some exploring and realize that it doesn't have to mean anything. You know, loosen that, lighten that up and good luck on the journey. I think it's an awesome journey to go on. Um, I feel bad that some people have to delay it or um, never actually fully get to embody it. But that's the sex phobia in our culture. DMs, that come from our Loveline IG page. Got a question, drop it in there. Topic, drop it in there. Something you want us to circle back, drop deeper into, bam, 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 drop it in there. Past episodes over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for Loveline and click on it. But uh, stick around, more to come, y'all. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back. All right, we are back and uh, talking tonight about how to bring a uh, mental health perspective to fitness and exercise because moving your body is important. It's a really important part of physical health, mental health, but we are prioritizing mental health. Why? Well, because that's what the show is about, but also because it's often left or not legitimized as much as physical health. We will just over, 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 over prioritize physical, physical. What are you eating? Are you moving your body? All this other stuff, but we ignore the mental health impacts and fitness culture is everywhere. And it's not inherently bad, but there's a lot of toxic parts of it. And as the summer rolls in, stuff gets heightened. And um, we're all swimming within that sea. We've got work to do. So we're talking about how to participate to some extent in uh, fitness culture, but uh, keeping your mental health centered and prioritized in doing so. Um, So we're just kind of throwing some stuff out there. I've done shows that were about us identifying maybe someone having disordered eating or um, some, you know, disordered exercise relationships and um, body dysmorphia and all that. So we're not, tonight's show is not about identifying do you have that clinical issue and maybe needing to see a therapist. However, if you do think that's something that you're struggling with, maybe do seek out a therapist or seek out a um, health at every size, body positive personal trainer or an anti-diet dietitian because you don't want to work with someone who's going to support weight loss as a goal, do any body shaming or food shaming because the work is about really healing our relationship to food and to our bodies and working on strength and mental health and wellness. So you wanna be very thoughtful about the uh, professionals you work with. Um, All right, so let's jump back in. So a couple of things, Uh, you know, again, I always advocate for intuitive eating, which is um, getting away from food restriction, which is what is what often leads to uh, what feels like binging and um, intuitive exercise, which is something we're not talking enough about. And sometimes we overtrain or we um, don't have the right expectations, or we harm ourselves. And intuitive exercise is about saying, what do I feel like doing? What feels good to my body? And moving while centering fun, and stopping when you feel as though you've gone far enough, um, and really listening to your body and checking in. Um, Also, uh, setting, setting a mental health centered goal what is your goal in working out moving your body or exercising and this is where you have to be a little brave and check yourself because a lot of people want to say one thing but deeper down they know that it's driven by something else and this isn't about shame or guilt this is about just honestly acknowledging what is your goal in exercise or movement and if it is to look a certain way you have a body ideal in your head it's about weight loss well you're probably trapped in toxic gym culture, this idea that in order to be healthy or to be productive and successful, you have to look a certain way, and that is not true. The work is about neutralizing how you feel about your body and focusing more on having fun and feeling good and feeling strong. But you have to identify first what is your goal so that we can shift it. And that's why I advocate for not weighing yourself, not measuring yourself, um, not seeing what clothes fit, and just, again, sitting with yourself and saying, am I enjoying what I'm doing? Is it feeling good to my body? How do I feel before, during, and after? And if I'm feeling good and I'm feeling strong, well then I'm on the right track, and that is what matters. And so checking yourself to really look at the goal is really important because we're trying to reject shame. And we wanna make sure we have mental health-centered fitness goals that are focused on function and mental health and movement and all that, like I said, and well-being and not on weight loss or aesthetics. Why? Because that isn't promised because that can be a toxic trap because once achieved, that is not always sustainable. It becomes fragile. And I work with some people whose mental health tanks and their self-esteem tanks and their functionality tanks when they're no longer able to put the time, money, or effort into maintaining that gym body or that aesthetic goal that they think they have to have to feel desirable or acceptable in the world. That's the problem, that's one of the main problems. So that's important. And you also wanna work out, hopefully, in a space that also honors all of this. Um, Because some gyms are obsessively focused on aesthetic and weight loss goals. And if that's the messaging you're constantly hearing and surrounding yourself with, it's understandable that you're going to internalize that. and It's going to be very hard for you to occupy space there that's centered in a mental health way, you know? So who you go with, who you train with, and the messages at the gym are very, very important. That's probably one of the centralized part of the mental health piece. What are you saying? What are they saying? What is the gym saying? It's the macro, meso, and micro levels. All that matter. And it's hard. I've had my own struggles where I walked into the gym and I was like, all right, you know, I'm not feeling great today. Not feeling great about myself, my body, my self esteem, my desirability, whatever it is. And then you see other people that are participating toxically in in what they're saying and how they're approaching, you know, their workout or messaging at the gym and it's an ego test, and um, it's a really important moment to really say, "What do I want my time here to be rooted in? Something healing, or something torturous, and something that's really shaming?" You know. All right, coming up next, we're going to keep talking about this: uh, how to maintain mental health while part of the exercise and fitness world. It's really important stuff. And uh, then we'll be closing out the show later, 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 with some DMs. So if you got a DM for strapping the DMs on our love line IG page, questions, topics, things you want us to uh, circle back, drop deeper into, let us know, and. Episodes are over. We are channelq.com. Scroll down, look for the show, and click on it. We'll be back though. So, uh, stick around and join
1: us. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back. All right, y'all,
2: we are back. And uh, of course, we're talking about mental health, but we're talking about mental health in terms of its intersections, relationships to uh, workout, fitness, and exercise, because we're getting away from weighing yourself and, and measuring yourself and clothes that you fit into or don't fit into and having an ideal goal weight or a goal body. We're getting away from all that because that might just not be genetically possible. It might not also be possible because of the resources you have access to or the time and energy you have available. And uh, it shouldn't matter that much. <laughs> We're working on neutralizing all that and saying, look, my body's important. I got to take care of it because it's the vehicle that gets me around the world, gets me you know through the day, but my worth is not tied to it. Now there's my desirability and I'm not going to make it that deep. I'm going to focus more on how I feel. I'm going to focus more on my integrity, my character, and my mental health. What am I doing in the world? And I'm going to move my body because I need to. It's good for me, but I'm not going to make it that deep. You know, I'm not going to participate toxically in gym culture, which is what we call toxic gym culture. I'm not going to step into disordered eating and call some foods bad and count calories and weigh things and whoa, too much, too much time and energy on things that don't really matter. You know, um, you can sprinkle some of that, but uh, it can be really exhausting. It can pull some people out of celebrating events, pull people out of going on dates, making people have anxiety about eating out at restaurants and travel. That is not mental health center. That's disordered eating. If it has any anxiety or fear or guilt woven into it, or it's shrinking your life down or making your life hard, it's called disordered eating. Same thing with fitness. It's disordered fitness if you are passing on going to do things because you have to go to the gym or you're not feeling comfortable in your body if you haven't gone to the gym or you're working out when you're sick or you have an injury that is disordered exercise you have a disordered relationship and you might want to really try to address that or see a therapist Uh, Maybe start working out with a trainer that's all about health at every size and doesn't do weight and all that as goals, or an anti-diet dietitian, a dietitian who isn't about putting you on a diet. 99% of diets fail, and that's what leads to a lot of the health issues. They are not healthy for us. The work is about learning how to have a healthy relationship with foods and eating intuitively, eating when you're hungry, stopping when you're full, and not shaming any foods. And that work is a lifetime, lifetime of work for some of us because uh, we very much normalize toxic norms around food and the gym, 100%. I'll hear people saying, oh, I'm eating healthy, and everything they're talking about is actually disordered eating. It's food phobia, and everyone's nodding along because we're so familiar with it. It's wild. It's really, really, really wild, and there's some amazing people doing great work pushing back on that. So we're just talking very casually about how to shift our relationship. When we're listening to our bodies, we're doing what feels fun, we're doing what feels good. It's tough stuff. Um, also open to alternatives. I talked about that a little bit before the break um, in the earlier segment that um, there's a lot of different ways to move your body. It doesn't have to be anything that's stressful, overwhelming. Um, it can just be things that are fun, movement, dance, roller skating, hopscotch, hula hooping, hiking, taking the stairs. It doesn't have to be at a gym intensively, you know, um, lots of different ways to kind of step into that. So, So do remember that. So another thing to think about is, um, again, we want to really shut down the weight loss or body shaming conversations. I've had to do that in my social group. I've had to do that in my clinical practice. I've even had to do that at the gym, talking to people. you know, um, Because however people want to identify or how whatever relationship they want to have to all of that, you don't need to take that on or be around that. Um, so know that you can set that boundary. And you can say, that's not what I'm here for. Don't want to be talking about it like that. Um, that's not what I'm interested in. That kind of came up when I did my one and only CrossFit experience. Um, it just wasn't what I was looking for. It was a little too intense. They were taking it all too seriously. I was like, I'm just here to move my body and have fun and to feel strong. And it didn't feel safe or good to me. I'm not putting down CrossFit. That is my experience. I said, I just want to put on my headphones, listen to my body, move my body, have fun, break a sweat a little bit, sing some songs that I'm rocking out to in my headphones. And like, it ain't that deep, you know? So again, do you, I'm just offering you a different perspective and one that's more mental health centered. Um, Also be thoughtful about the classes you take. Um, I've taken some spin classes where instructors were screaming at me, don't understand why. This can be a kind, comfortable, chill space. Uh, I've taken some fitness classes where they were using shaming and mocking. Again, don't know why we're going that route. It ain't that deep, it's just a fitness class, calm down, we're just doing squats, breathe. Um, So be very thoughtful. Again, it doesn't have to be intense and aggressive. We're just trying to move our bodies. I can't say that enough tonight. The F word, fun. It's allowed to be fun. Make it fun. I only go to fun classes. The Life is hard enough. My, my working out and my exercise are not meant to be intense. It is not a life or death issue. It is not that deep. Breathe. I just want to move my body. Maybe do a little yoga. Maybe do a little bit of a, a boot camp. Maybe a spin class. Ain't that deep. You know what I mean? And so be thoughtful. Maybe find a class where everyone's a little bit more chill and aren't fighting over their favorite bike, etc., etc., etc. And those spaces, believe it or not, do exist. Also be thoughtful about people or yourself labeling food as good or bad. Um, and exercise is good or bad. It's okay. It's okay to step outside of all of that. Um, also think about the social media account you're following. I bring that up often. That's a huge part of mental health in the 20s in the 2022s that we live in, is really paying attention to that. And when we get into fitness or anything else that's new to us, it is important to follow accounts and to do some research and to do some reading up. And um, I wanna just give a special shout out, actually, to Self Magazine. I don't know if you're familiar with them, but Self is a fitness magazine. I think it's for it's centered towards um, female-identified uh, female people. But um, they've really done a reorganization, at least from what I've seen. And so that might be at least a place that you can start where they use diverse bodies. There's a lot of larger sized bodied people that are being used in their exercise ads and explanations. And they do a lot of articles on how to build a stronger core and it's larger bodied individuals and queer individuals and a little gender fluid and they're tattooed and they're women of color and they're really normalizing and it's awesome. It's no longer a pretty blonde white cis hetero woman, which again, no shade to someone who's white cis hetero, but traditionally you are centered in the fitness world and in the world at large and other people exist as well and, and exercise too and I love seeing that. So Self Magazine, online at least, has awesome stuff, some awesome articles, diversity, It's really Really beautiful. I like their languaging. So, change is coming, and I love that. All right, coming up next, we're going to keep this conversation going because I want mental health to be woven into everything. And then we'll be doing some DMs. So, stick around. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back. All right, y'all. We are back, and uh, we're talking about you know shifting our relationship to exercise and eating and fitness. Important stuff, and I'm always making sure I'm clarifying that. I don't want anyone to get the idea that I'm opposed to fitness and exercise. It's just the toxic elements of it are things that we don't have to participate in, be impacted by, we don't have to center those pieces. And uh, that's where mental health comes in, right? Because again, I'm always focusing on the mental health impact first because culturally we don't do that. Uh, so, you know, again, I've talked about this on the show probably once a week before, during, and after really gentle way to assess how do I feel before I'm about to exercise? How do I feel while, and how do I feel afterwards? And the answer should always be positive and affirming. Not, I feel worse. I do have some clients where the gym creates a lot of anxiety and they don't feel great while being there. They don't feel like they're being centered. They're being cared for. Uh, the machines don't, don't suit them, don't fit them, there's not room, all sorts of different things. There can be, it can be clicky, it can, again, it can be just another social space that you feel not uh, welcomed into and that you're sitting on the margins of. And then that wouldn't be right for you. And it's okay to acknowledge that and to say, also I have clients that are like, I want to be outdoors. Some people like classes, some people like working alone, some people that'd rather work from home. They just don't want to deal with the social elements. I have that. I go to the gym. And I sometimes step in there and I'm like, I don't have it in me to deal with whatever we're going to have to deal with. Some of the attitudes, the over-prioritization of steroid use and gym bodies, and no one here seems to be enjoying themselves or having fun and people are cranky. There, there can be a lot going on. <laughs> so I hold space for that. But I want to just take a couple of minutes and talk quickly about the, you know, <clears throat> What are some of the signs that maybe we want to step into some therapy? Um, None of the things I talk about on the show are a replacement for therapy. They're not meant to be. This is all me. This is for educational and entertainment purposes. And what you choose to do is on you. And you have to make, you know, you have to talk to your own therapist or healthcare provider about decisions you're making. But here's some things that might be a sign you really should talk to a therapist because it's gotten too far along. And the first one is if your exercise habits or routine interfere with other important elements of your life. We talked a little bit about that. If you're backing off of going to social events or travel uh, because you have to be able to get to your gym or to work out, that might be a sign. But then it might not also be. When I travel, I will sometimes use the hotel gym because it feels good to move my body and I'm working on heart health and bone density and exercise is a part of that and it makes me feel good and it's a routine. So there's a healthy version of that. But then like I said, there's the unhealthy version. If while on vacation, I was like gonna go to the gym and and my friends or family or whoever's like, hey, we were gonna go to the beach, come with us, I go to the beach and that's a good sign. But if I anxiously was like, no, I can't imagine not exercising, I have to go exercise and that anxiety and intensity swells, that's not a good thing. It's just exercise. You'll be okay missing out on that. So that's a sign. Also, the length of time you're there, there is such a thing as overtraining. More is not always better. Even with things like water and vegetables, Vegetables, certain vegetables to high levels, they have oxalates, for instance, greens do, and broccoli. We, we, we shouldn't be eating pounds and pounds of it every day. Just the right amount is good for us. Water, you can overhydrate. You can actually overhydrate to the point of death. So it's not, if this is good, more is always better. You know, skincare products, you can actually do damage to your skin with all of those acids or over-moisturizing and clogging your pores, et cetera, et cetera. So like, remember, there's a certain amount that we need, and then we're just burning out our systems and wearing down our mental health. So exercising for every day is not good. Exercising for hours every day is not good. It's another sign you might want to speak to a therapist. Maybe you're not really taking care of yourself. Um, <clears throat> like I said, stress or guilt, we're not able to exercise, profound signs. Um Exercising at inappropriate times and places, uh, I, I remember lovingly being in school and there was a fellow classmate who, instead of eating and socializing on break, would shift into gym clothes and go for a jog. And it didn't feel like this is just a person doing self-care or getting some time alone, which totally acceptable. It felt more like anxiety, that this was a space for just education, And that was a very, very out of the ordinary thing to see someone do and it felt very anxiety ridden. So that's an example. And then here's another big one. When you go to the gym and still exercise, even when being sick or having an injury or an illness, not a good sign. That's when your body most needs to rest. Again, that's an example of it's not always good. So when someone says gotta go to the gym or work out, the answer isn't always great. Just like if someone says I'm getting divorced, the answer isn't always I'm sorry to hear that. Sometimes it's a celebration, great, you're taking care of yourself, you're getting out of something toxic. Just like when someone says they're pregnant, it might be yay, it might be I'm sorry to hear that. We don't know, we gotta ask more questions. It's the it's the why and the how that are in there as well. So just really, 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 really sit with that. Um, it shouldn't be creating negative impacts going to the gym and exercising should feel good and it should be fun and if it's not something's wrong and something's off so kind of run that through that rubric and again that applies to like everything but the summer's coming so there's going to be more talks about learning to love ourselves and you know beach bodies and all sorts of mess you know again our bodies are just vehicles we got to take care of them they get us through the world but they're not achievements they shouldn't be what is our self-worth um but here we are. So, you know, we're going we're gonna to do what we can with that. All right, y'all. Uh, I've got a DM for us in the DMs on our Loveline IG page, questions, topics, things you want us to circle back to. You know how it goes. I know we are channelq.com. It's where we want to go to check out all the past episodes. Look for Loveline or scroll down, look for Loveline, click on it, bam, 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 post, listen, share. Stick around, though. More to come. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q in Odyssey. We'll be right back.
0: you put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. And Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois.
2: All right, we are back. Now it's time to slide into those DMs.
0: Sliding into the DMs.
2: Uh, let's see. Let's start this one. Hey, love listening to your show. The other night and uh, made me think about self-esteem. How do you find self-love to rebuild self-esteem after a painful breakup? Oh, I know. Sometimes it's the hardest part of a breakup is still trying to find ways to feel desirable and dateable and lovable because you just were left or left something. And um, it's hard not to personalize that because it is personal sometimes. Most of the time it is that for whatever reason, compatibility wasn't there with us. But we don't want to make it personal in that we make a global decision about our desirability or our worth in the world outside of that relationship. Because if someone rejects us or breaks up with us, that is just a sign or response to them not being right for us. But one person not being right for us doesn't speak to the rest of the world. It just wasn't right with that person or what came of the two of you coming together as a couple maybe didn't have the healthiest dynamic. But that doesn't mean you aren't desirable and can't find a better dynamic with the next person and the person after that or the person over there. It's just about this one person. So we wanna make sure we don't globalize it. Having said that, some of the research shows, and I've talked about this very briefly on the show, that sometimes getting right back into the dating world can for some people, make them have that return sense of worth and, and desirability and, and recognition that the, there's a wider world out there and there's other people to date. Um, so some research shows that that's really good for your self-esteem. For other people, it might be the opposite. It's kind of uh, a little bit of how trauma works where (laughs) really strange examples, learning to swim. You shove someone in saying, oh, they'll figure it out, they'll learn how to swim. Uh, Yes, if they do in fact learn how to swim when you do that, that will reinforce competence and they'll feel like they can. However, if the person doesn't, figure out how to swim, you better believe that you have now possibly traumatized them, even small scale traumas. what I'm talking about, and they will not feel competent and they will not feel secure going back in again. And it will actually reinforce the fact that they in fact can't swim and that water is dangerous, et cetera. So what does that mean to dating? Well, for some people, Going back out into the dating world is going to reinforce this is a horrible thing. Dating is not fun. People are mean. These dating apps are heinous. So you have to really check in with yourself and say, Am I able to tolerate what might come from dating? Because that is an option. Um, and you know, there's no length of time that's going to promise that you're ready again. But self self esteem is there. But most of our self esteem is actually relational steam, and it's a reflection back at us. Uh, we we very much operate from a sense of intersubjectivity and mirroring. So. It's you know, our self-worth is an accumulation of what people have told us our worth is. It's reflected back. It we exist in the world. We are impacted by the messaging around us. And our sense of desirability and market value comes from what the world has placed upon us. We don't have to participate in it, and there's always cultures that sit outside of that. But that's kinda in there. So you know, can help you can hurt you. Um, I would also say lean on your friends, let your friends really be there for you during this breakup. And that is, um, a version of being, you know, having our worth reflected back. Cause you know, you talked kind of about self love, um, just again, getting out there, and participating in meaningful things, building in new novel experiences. There's something about newness and novelty, which can both bring joy, but also remind us that there's a lot to be had out in the world and that's part of it. So when you want to lean in, lean out when you want to maybe, um, you know kind of keep yourself out of the social world maybe do reach out and lean in go go you know go out and experience things and whether or not you're ready to get back into dating that's going to be a very nuanced complex question that you're going to have to struggle with but um more to come and I think that's also part of it is letting yourself go through the grief and mourning period because you have a different identity in the world it's a you not an us and going through that breakup over and over where people who haven't seen you in a while ask about the relationship so that's in there figuring out who you are in the social world because you don't necessarily have that primary partner that you know is there and ready to do things with you so there's a lot of newness um but we want to lean into that and create newer experiences and and the final thing i always say to people is you want to soften those are the times you tend to want to harden because you've been wounded or you've been disappointed or you've been left but that's when we need to soften the most so um, be where you are feel your feelings but um, lean into some of that discomfort to push yourself forward. All right, y'all, that is our show. We'll be back tomorrow, so join us then. If you want to check out past episodes of the show, go over to wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for Love Line, click on it. You can binge, post, share, re-listen. Always good stuff, and you got a question for us, topic you want us to hit, something you want us to drop deeper into, drop that in uh, the DMs on our Loveline IG page. And um, yeah. Love to you. Love to those around you. Be kind to those around you. More importantly, as always, thanks for hanging out and you enjoy the rest of your night.
1: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget.